Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. Hi everyone, how are you doing? Um, are you excited for 2024? 2024, the year of more? Thanks for that positive response. Um, I'm Nick and I want to share something with you today that's close to my heart that is something that I feel God wants us to press into this year. Uh, I guess it's something that I feel is my assignment today, which is to bring a word that I feel God has for us as a church. And it's based on one of my favourite prayers ever. But speaking about prayer, we pray some funny prayers, don't we? I found myself praying this prayer the other day. Thank you, Jesus, for sending your son, Jesus. Have you ever done that one? Like, Holy Spirit, pour out your spirit. Do you know what wraps it up? What makes it perfect is a really good amen. If you perfect a high-pitched, full-length amen, it just covers over a multitude of prayer sin. You know, you could pray about, I don't know, potholes, carpet, wafers. Just finish it with an amen, and people will believe it's gospel truth. And maybe just because it's 2024, it's the start of a new year, I'd love you to join me in saying a really high-pitched, full-length amen together. After three, let's go. One, two, three. Amen. Well done. Um, the prayer I want to speak about today is one that we often pray in times of prayer ministry, along with, you know, come Holy Spirit, bless what you're doing. And it's this. It's more Lord. More Lord that this year we would pray like never before for more Lord. In short, it's a simplified version of John the Baptist's prayer when he says, less of me, but more of you. More of your ways, more of your wonders, more of your works, O oh God, more of your glory. It's also a desire to go deeper when we say more, Lord. You know, that wherever you've been with God, whatever you've seen with God, whatever your dreams are in God, that you would stand here at 2024 and just go, I believe there's more. I believe that greater things are still to come, that God's not finished with me yet. There's more that he wants to do, more that he wants to pour out in my life for others. And I also think more, Lord, is an expectation of encounter with the Holy Spirit. When we pray more, Lord, we're expecting him to do more. There was a time in the church when this prayer was prayed a lot. It was during the 90s in something called the Toronto Blessing. Does anyone ever heard of that, know about that? And it was where there was a phenomenal outpouring of the Holy Spirit in a church in Toronto. People would travel from all around the world to go there and they would take this anointing back with them, this outpouring back with them. And I went to a church in London during that time and um, as a young Christian and I, I was reflecting on it, like what, how do I remember that time? And I guess there's a bit of nostalgia with this stuff. But the things that came to mind was that there was an expectation in the air. The worship felt otherworldly. And the prayer ministry times were long. I heard a story recently. I read, I read this story about a, a pastor in America during this time of the Toronto Blessing who invited a visiting speaker to come along. And at the end of this guy's talk, a thousand people responded to the altar call. 
So this pastor and, and the speaker, they get off the stage and, and literally they start trying to pray for everything and anything. And there is so much going on. There, there are people who are falling to the ground. There are those who are shaking uncontrollably, those who are laughing, those who are crying, all at the same time dancing. And whilst they were praying, um, th this pastor said he felt a sudden breeze go right through him and his ankles flipped over and he was on the floor and this is what happened. They went, and he, and he said this, that's weird, oh God. And his legs suddenly felt really, really heavy under the presence and the power of the Spirit. And he wanted to get back up on the stage so he could just pass the moment. So he called a few people over and said, could you help me get back up on the stage? And he said they grabbed him by the trousers and pulled him around like this so he could get back up on the stage. Eventually he got back on the stage. And I want to read to you what he said. I took the microphone and shouted, folks, this is it. This is it. The Lord is here. Get in. Get in. Get in. I realised God had indeed come, that he had answered our prayers for revival. The feast of fire had begun. The preacher walked by me at that point, waved his hand in my direction and simply said, more Lord. I hit the marble floor like a ton of bricks. Now I'm as critical as the next person when it comes to things like this, he said. I've seen it all and just don't think I can be fooled. So when I hit that floor and felt like I weighed 10,000 pounds, I knew something supernatural was happening. God was visiting us. In fact, I lay on that floor from 12.30pm to 4pm and eventually some people picked me up off the floor at 6pm. During that time, one of the most dangerous prayers you could ever pray over someone who was lying on the floor experiencing the power of the God was, was more Lord. More Lord. They'd be there for another two hours. You wouldn't get out of the building. And I know there'll be some here today and, and you're listening to this and you're going, was that real? Was that true? Was it really necessary? And others, you hear this stuff and there's like a tinge of excitement. You, you were there, you experienced it. This is everything that butters your toes, spins your wheels and scratches every itch. You want this. And, and just wherever you're at on that spectrum, wherever you're at on that journey, I want you to know you are so welcome here at Gas Street. You're here on your own terms. You can engage at any level you want. But I do want to issue something of a challenge for us as we start this year. It's that we wouldn't let the enemy steal our expectation of what God can do right at the start of this year. He's not going to steal the start. He's not going to steal the finish. And he's not going to steal the in-between. Because I believe there is more Lord. There is more of him that he wants to show us. And I want to encourage you to lift your hands again, lift your heart again, lift your head again, and begin to cry out this year for more Lord. We see it from cover to cover in the Bible. God's greatest servants understood this. You think about King David in the Psalms. He says, I am confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And that's a word for our church, by the way. Amen. Um, I, that, 
was awesome. The thing about Jesus, he just teached about this all the time. He said to his disciples, how much more will the Father give, and he's talking about the Holy Spirit, to those who ask. And then he encouraged people to keep on asking, keep on seeking, and keep on knock, 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 knocking on the door. And I know a song about that. Think about Auntie Betty. No, she's not in the Bible. But she was at Taku and Cookie's wedding. And they invited her to get up and read the scripture. And when she read those familiar words, it was like the first time I'd ever heard them. Because I was hearing it from someone who'd lived a more Lord life. Someone who was full of the Spirit, who kept praying right to the end. And the story I want to zone in on today, as we think about a few ideas around what it means to cry out for more Lord. How can we just really embrace this? Is the story of Elijah and Elisha. And Elijah was a significant voice in the Old Testament, a prophet. He raised up schools of prophets. He was a man of miracles. He worked wonders everywhere he went and his protege, Elisha. And what we're going to read in this scripture is about how um, it's a moment at this point where Elijah is about to be taken directly to heaven. That only happens to two people in the Bible, him and Enoch. And, And then he's basically going to leave the responsibility of being the next prophetic voice to the people of Israel, to Elisha. And Elisha makes one request before Elijah goes. And that's what I want us to read about today. This is Elisha's more Lord moment. So it's going to come up on the screen. Let's go. 2 Kings 2 verse 1. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied. So be quiet. Now let's pause there. Turn around to someone next to you and say, so be quiet. (laughs) I give you permission. Now turn around to someone else and say, shush now. And could we all say it collectively to Trevine? Shush now, Trevine. No. I added that bit in. It wasn't to any of the other talks. This pattern continues three times. They go to Bethel. Then they go to Jericho. And then they go to the River Jordan. So we're going to rejoin the story at verse 7, okay? 50 men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over it on dry ground. When they crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? Going to pause. Now, if you, this is, this is a significant story about a transitional moment. And if you are going through a different season this year, you know you're coming to the end of something. And you've got to end something, you've got to start well. But if you want to know how to end something well, this is the best advice you could ever get. Before I go, what can I do for you? Before I go, what can I do for you? And this is the centerpiece of the story. And Elisha replies, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. 
You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said, yet if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah, struck, it with the, struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? He asked when he struck the water. It divided to the right and to the left and he crossed over. What a great story. And I love, um, I love this story because it is about significant people in our lives, like mentors, people that we've looked up to. And we go, I see something in your life and I just want everything that you do. I, I want a bit of that. For me, um, one of those people was a guy called Barry Kissel when I worked in a church in London. And Barry was in many ways a, a real prophetic guy. He was like an Elijah a bit. When he, when he got up, he'd hear the voice of the Lord speaking very, very clearly. And I remember, I'll tell, me, I'll tell you a story, um, one evening gathering at our church, about 500 people in the room, and we, we had a time of worship, and Barry was hosting, and he got up to the front, and he said, I believe the Lord's spoken to me that he sent someone to the church today called Claire, and, um, and God has given you, Claire, a prophetic word for our church. So I'm going to sit down, we're going to sing another song, then I'm going to get back up, and I'm going to invite you, Claire, to come and share the prophetic word with us. So he gets down, we sing the song, Barry gets back up and then he says, now Rachel, where are you with that prophetic word? Literally, we are all on the front row going, you, you fool. Like Barry, it was Claire, it was Claire. And we start crying, it's Claire, Claire. He says it again. Rachel, where are you with the word? This lady gets up about three quarters of the way back and walks down to the front and stands on the stage. And Barry interviews her and she says this, my name's Rachel, but throughout my schooling, all of my teachers got my name confused and they called me Claire. Jaws to the floor. That is a more Lord moment. That is a moment that shows you what you think is possible with prophecy. Well, here's a little bit more. And then she proceeds to give this prophetic word about a caterpillar or something. No one listened to that. It was basically, <laughs> it was basically the most important thing that happened. So if you find people like that, stick to them like gluey, gluey, glue, glue, and don't let go. Get something, learn something, grow. So here are a couple of thoughts for you, okay? The first one is this. We have to make a move towards more. The double portion, the more Lord moment doesn't just happen. They go on a journey. There's a pilgrimage. And I believe that as they take these pit stops, these places on this journey, each of these places signifies something for us about what it means to get ready for more. They signify something about what it means to facilitate uh, the practice of the presence of God in our lives. Let me take you through them. Firstly, they start at Gilgal. Now, Gilgal was the place where the Israelites, when they went into the promised land, that was where they first camped and it became their headquarters. From Gilgal, they would go out and they would fight battles and they would come back and be refreshed. It signifies a place of refreshing. What would you look like this year to have constant refreshing? Then they go to Bethel. 
which signifies a place of encounter. Both Abraham and his grandson encountered the Lord there. They called on the name of the Lord there. It was a place of multiple encounters. Imagine what you would look like this year having multiple encounters with God. Daily, weekly, monthly. Then they go up to Jericho, the land that Joshua conquered. It signifies victory. Imagine what your prayers would sound like if you knew victory was coming. And then they go up to the Jordan. We know this represents uh, and reminds us of the, uh, the, the Exodus narrative, a place where they part waves, they part ways, a place of separation. Imagine what it would feel like this year to part ways with unhelpful patterns of behaviour. When we do these things, they lead us towards being ready to receive more. And one of the ways we want to help start this journey this year is with something that's happening in a few weeks' time called Powerhouse. We call it Powerhouse. It's not a conference, but it is, but it's not. It's 46 hours of continual prayer and worship. There's going to be some guests. There's going to be um, a, 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 an opportunity to make a move towards more. It's going to be an amazing time together. And I know you know this, but the spiritual practices of prayer and worship, they're tools that God has put in our hands that are in, within our sort of, they're actions that are within our power to basically narrow the gap between where we want to be and where we are, between the destination, the more Lord place that we want to be and where we find ourselves right now. Here's some tools for you, prayer and worship. They will help you. They're like the fuel on the journey. Ali and I went to Starbridge uh, a couple of months ago to see our son Jojo um, and his band perform at college. And on the way back, we stopped off at a garage and I filled the car up. And then the second we left the garage, Ali, Ali said this, she went, it smells really weird in this car. I can smell petrol. And, and, I, and I did, you know, I was like, no, no, I can't smell anything. She went, no, I can really, really smell petrol. Something is different. Something has happened that's different. And I said, no, no, I don't know what you mean. I mean, I could slightly smell it, but um, I don't know what you mean. This conversation continued gently and politely all the way home. And then the next day, Ali took the car out. And, and it started stuttering and jolting and something was wrong. And she managed to get it to our good friend, Kevin, who's a mechanic. And he took a look at the car. And, and after a little while, he came back and said, I know what's wrong with this car. Someone has put petrol in this car and it's a diesel car. <laughs> what happened? Ali looked at him and went, Nick happened. <laughs> and then he looked at her and went, what an idiot. Tim, you laughed a bit too loudly <laughs> at that one. But what you put in the tank this year will make all the difference. The fuel for the journey to get us to the destination. What are you putting in the tank right now? Is it the stuff that's going to help you receive more? Next point, make big requests. Okay, now... Everyone in my family knows a little secret about me, which is that I love a good deal. Any other deal hunters out there? Come on. I know you, yeah, you, you put, yeah, great, nice one. Um, I love a good deal. 
um, Gracie, my daughter, actually said to me the other day, Dad, I actually think you might have an anointing in this. <laughs> uh, we went, I'll tell you a recent story. I, I was in a shop and I, and I picked up, a, um, I think it was a coat, and I went to the counter and I said to the lady at the, the checkout, I was like, do you think you could knock some money off this? And she went, why? <laughs> and I went, it's Friday. <laughs> and she, she sort of crunched some numbers and went, yeah, I'll give it you for half price. Um, I love a good deal, but even more, I love it when people make big requests, they ask for a good deal with God. I heard a beautiful story from Gas Street South a couple of months ago when we had the baptisms from Vicky who got baptised there. This was part of her testimony. She came to Wildfires, um, the conference that we do run that um, was in May, it's now going to be in August. Right now there's a great deal on the tickets. And... Um, and I was part of running um, Kingdom Come there, which is uh, where after the main gathering, we stick around and we just carry on in endless prayer and worship. And during that time, um, I said to people, should we do some prayer planes? And we gave several hundred people pieces of paper and a pen. And basically I said, write the biggest prayer request you have on this piece of paper, make it into an airplane. And after three, we're going to throw them. And if someone picks up your plane, they're going to pray for it, Okay. So we did that, one, two, three, planes going everywhere. One plane comes through all the crowd and lands at my feet. So I just pick it up and I read it. It says healing. So I hold it up and said, whoever sent this, um, it says healing. Can we just pray for you? Because I just believe the Lord wants us to pray for you. And this person over here kind of put their hand up and everyone just jumped in. Come on, Lord, do it, do it, do it, do it. But as it turns out, that person had sent one for healing, but it wasn't the one that landed at my feet. It was this girl, Vicky, who was standing over here, and she knew it was her paper aeroplane because it was her handwriting, and in, over the eye, she hadn't dotted it, she'd drawn a bubble. And she, she needed prayer for healing because she'd had an abscess in her back for three years, real discomfort, major discomfort. So she stood there and went, Lord, I know they're praying over there, but I'm going to close my eyes, open my hands, and just asked that you would heal me. So she did that and she was instantly healed. Instantly healed of three years of back pain. And I love that because, again, you come back to what Jesus teaches about prayer. You could summarise everything in one word. Shameless. Be shameless with your prayers. Be relentless with your prayers. Whatever you're praying for right now, why don't you up it a notch? Go big or go home. That's what we see here in this scripture. That's what Elisha does. Give me a double portion of your spirit. I see the miracles you're doing. I see the things you are doing and I want double. What a request to make when offered everything. He could have asked for anything and he chose one thing. More Lord more of your Holy Spirit to help me fulfill the purpose and calling you've put on my life. And we know what happens next. We get this dramatic moment. Chariots are far, horses are far, a whirlwind. It's incredible what happens, isn't it? He tears his garment. Elisha tears his garment. He picks up the cloak. Maybe that says that there's some things we've got to just tear up before we can pick up the more Lord. Then he goes and does exactly the same miracle that Elijah has just done. You know, there's a moment when you're praying for more, Lord, you actually have to step out and say, Lord, if I've prayed it and I've believed it, I've actually got to step out and do it. 
That's what I love about the scatter sessions this, this year, this term. It's an opportunity to say, God, if you have been filling me up here, I've got an opportunity to go out there now and show it. And he stands there at the Jordan and the same thing, where now is the God of Elijah? And he shows up and it shows him that the more Lord is coming. It's arrived. And we know that. But did you know this? That in his lifetime, Elisha does exactly double the number of miracles that Elijah does. Elijah does 16 and Elisha does 31. Now, some of you have realised, some of you, and that's stressful. But some of you have realised that doesn't add up. But let me show you what happens. Come with me. The scripture is going to come up here. 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 20. Elisha died and was buried. So at this point, he's done 31 miracles. Okay? Now, Moabite raiders used to enter the country every spring. So what they're doing is they're coming in to steal the harvest at springtime. Once, while some Israelites were burying a man, suddenly they saw a band of raiders. So they threw the man's body into Elisha's tomb. When the body touched Elisha's bones, the man came to life and stood up on his feet. That is 32 out of 32, nothing but net. And if you've been praying for more and you haven't yet seen it, hold on, hang on in there because it's not over till it's over and even when it's over, it's not over because there is more to come. And I know some of you in here are going to feel disappointed and discouraged. I know you've had moments in your life and you say, God, why not yet? Trust me, it's happening. It's happening behind the scenes. Maybe not as we think, but it is happening. The reason we've got to make a move towards more and the reason we've got to make big requests is this, because like Elijah, I believe you and I have been made for more. We've been made for more. If you're a follower of Jesus in here, a Jesus-y person, think about today, just think about the less that you had before you met him and the more that you now have. Every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, the same power that raised him from the dead is in me. And when I read this story and Elisha picks up the cloak, I just can't help but think about that beautiful story in the New Testament, the prodigal son, where the son who's been far away comes home and the father puts a robe on him. It symbolizes adoption. It symbolizes anointing. It says this, everything I have, I want to give to you, my child. I'll finish with this little story, uh, which is uh, last term I was leading worship at a church, been invited to go, and uh, we did an evening session, which was a kingdom come session, which uh, for this church, it, it was basically two hours of nonstop worship. Like we're just going to sing some songs, we're going to pray, it's going to be really powerful, it's going to be fun. And, and I was so excited, and, and we got there, and the, the church was absolutely rammed full of people. Uh, and we started singing, and we're singing about five songs, uh, five songs in, and I just 
had this sense that I often do, maybe always do, which is I think there's a song in the room. Um, and so we're going to stop everything. They've never done this before. I think we're going to stop everything. And it might be that someone out there has got a song that you're going to lead us in. Maybe it's a new song, an old song, a well-known song, whatever it is. But we're going to wait until you feel inspired by the Spirit of God to sing songs. Something we've done here quite a bit, right? You know that stuff. And by the way, one of the reasons I'm passionate about that is because I believe it's part of the call of my life is to call out the voice of the church. So whenever I've got an opportunity to do something, I'm going to try and do that some way. So I said, it's going to be a bit awkward. I know we've never done this before, so let's just um, wait. I'm the king of awkwardness, it's fine. And we waited, and I've done this quite a bit now, and I know what happens in those moments. People look around suspiciously, you know, you're kind of seeing who's got the song, do you know what I mean? Like, have you got the song? Have you got it? They hear a tiny murmur or someone scratches their cheek. Was that the song? (laughs) And we waited and waited, and eventually this young adult, this lady who was sitting on the ground, she just starts to sing out the blessing. You know, the chorus of the blessing. Let his favour be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. And people started joining in, whispering, murmurings going on. And it was rising a bit and it was, it was feeling like something's happening here. This is special. And I turned around to the worship pastor who I was co-leading with and I said, do you actually know who that is? And he said, no, I don't. So I went, okay, oh well. And I got down off the stage and and I went up to her and she had her eyes closed and I did this. (laughs) And she opened her eyes and I said, just keep singing, you're leading us in worship. So suddenly her voice was amplified. Everyone started cheering. Everyone was like cheering and applauding and like just, it was like the roof came off that place. It was like a more Lord moment. And it went on and on and on. And I was quite far from the stage at this point. And I turned around to the band. I was like, find the key of the song because when you guys join in, it's just going to get even bigger. Not that I like to hype stuff. And, and, and basically it did. It was incredible. And it went on and on and on. Then it died down and then we sang some more songs and we prayed. It was a beautiful night. And at the end of the evening, I was just packing up my guitar and one of the young pastors came up to me and he had tears in his eyes and he just said, you have no idea, do you, about what happened there? And I said, no. And he proceeded to tell me the story um, and he wrote it down for me. I'm going to read it to you. About the lady who sang out, she came to our church and reached out for pastoral care. She had become a Christian a few months earlier. She was the only person in her family who followed Jesus. A lot of her family was deep into dark stuff. But her whole life from childhood had been witchcraft, blood rituals, the occult, Ouija boards, tarot cards, you name it, she'd lived it. We were meeting with her for prayer ministry and healing deliverance stuff, but it's fair to say she's rough around the edges, experiencing very early stages of liberation with Jesus, but also the pain in the past clinging on. She was always desperate to come to church because she said that's where her inner pain became quiet. And then she ended up leading us all in a breakthrough moment of worship. God wants to reverse the curse of the lie of less and remind us again we're made for more. That we are made for more. And when I hear stories like that, I just think, I honestly don't have a clue what's going on. 
I don't have a clue what's going on. I, I, I reckon I must know 0.001% of what God's doing. I'm an expert in the 0.001%. But when I hear stories like that, I just think, more Lord, please, please, more Lord. Less of me and my ways and my plans, but more of you. Only you can do this stuff, Lord. If ever he wanted to make a statement to us that night that we were made for more, he did it through that person. And it was encouraging and it was beautiful. So this year, can we pray for more, Lord? More salvation, more healing, more favour upon our families, more blessing till the cup is overflowing. More, Lord. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website gastric.org or follow us on Instagram at Gastric Church.